This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. I'm a very optimistic person. I guess the biggest positive thing that I can take out of uh, you know, my father not being here with me today is that he saw my last basketball game, and that means a lot. Um, the word retire means you can do anything you want from this day on. So if I desire to come back and play again, maybe that's what I want to do. Maybe that's the challenge that I may need someday down the road. I'm not going to close that door. I was at peace with that decision. Totally, 100%. You know, I felt ready. That is Michael Jordan from the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance. Uh, you know, it's funny. You talk to some people and they're like, well, is it really The Last Dance? It's really the documentary on Michael Jordan. Uh, is it really a documentary? Because he obviously has put his hands all over this thing on what he wants out there and what he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of that. The thing's been highly entertaining. I also don't over-dramatize that. I think people have been a little over the top about how good it has been, quite frankly. Um, it's been good. It's been really good. I think it's been great, man. Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't know. Maybe we do need it. I, I just not That's... in that in that category. I just I guess I'm a little tired of hearing people say, man, I can't. I really needed this. This thing's the you're, most you're incredible so thing ever. You're just because Larry Bird called him God, and now all of a sudden you're, you're off the Michael Jordan train yeah, because it's, it's not Larry Bird. I'm just being real about it. I think yeah. it's very good. Um, and I think it's cool to see, and it's awesome, and I'm glad people are enjoying it that much. Name a better I, documentary, I, Brent. I just think we get over, it, it gets over dramatized. Name a better um, documentary. A better something, documentary. Like something sports that we should be watching besides this. Well, I don't know if there's that. Again, well, this is rare, man. It's okay. rare stuff. You don't right. see it, right? It's been in the closet for 20 years. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand. It, it's just, I, I just feel like it, it's. You can't even say, hey, it's really good. If you don't say it's unbelievable and the best thing I've ever seen, it's, like, not adequate enough for anybody. I got you. Um, and, listen, I thought when they did the stuff on, on O.J. Simpson, uh, whatever one that was, whether it was a 30 for 30 or something else, I mean, that stuff was you're, you're talking dropping to me at times. You know? the, 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 the documentary, not like the show where it was, like, the actors. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Okay. I'm talking about the documentary. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a couple yeah. hours um, long. Wasn't it, like, two, wasn't it like four hours long or something like that? Yeah, I forgot what it was called. I know you're talking about that. Yeah, 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 if you go to, like, ESPN Plus now or something you want to tr- hit on it, you can still go back and see it. It's but. like the one where they covered it from, like, different sporting events, right? Like, there yes. was, like, golf yeah. going on, and all of a sudden they stopped the golf. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I got you. That's a good one. I mean, there's been a – my point is there's been a lot of good television. It's not like it's the first good television ever come out yeah but it is fascinating now here's the deal where did you think that one ranked yesterday uh, uh this is episode seven and eight which yeah. means there's only one more weekend of it yeah did you enjoy it as much did you like it the retirement the baseball the comeback yeah i mean overall i thought listen i i have no complaints over any of these episodes they're so hard to rank just because i mean i take something from each episode um, you know, obviously his dad dying uh, was was a whole crazy incident right there. I wish they would have touched on. A, I don't know if this is really a documentary to do that, but I don't know how much you know about you know his dad dying. But supposedly what had happened was is that in North Carolina, um, the prosecution actually there was like another stipulation where there was like a some underground drug thing going on with the police department. And they thought that maybe his dad got caught up with that by accident where they're going to pick up something and they saw the car there. They saw a guy there. The guy that shot him got scared. That's what the guy that's, you know, serving his sentence said. So, like, I wish they would have kind of covered a little more about maybe some of the corruption and the cover up that led during the trial. Um, but once again, maybe that's not the spot to do it during the last dance documentary. Uh, but overall, I mean, uh, another great episode. I enjoyed it because we saw emotion. 
for Michael Jordan. For, for the first time, um, you know, we didn't see the F, well, we saw the F-bomb, sorry, again. But we, we didn't see, you know, just this hard ass. We saw a guy who brought a little bit of a human element to it. We saw a guy who was finally reflecting back on his career and kind of asked a question, got asked a question that kind of touched his nerves a little bit. And, you know, we we saw motion. And then, obviously, they, they cut it. And then I was like, all right, on the next episode, check it out. So that's what I probably took away most of it was the fact that this Superman, this this almost like this robot who just only knows one speed, only knows to win by any means necessary, the guy finally showed some emotion. Yeah, well, you just nailed it, man, to me. Now, listen, he may have his hand print on this in terms of what they're doing and maybe that's a little bit about his dad yeah why it was how short it was and and not as in detail as that or maybe it was just because it would be a little off topic uh either way I, the fact that they've included it i can appreciate the fact that they played out the gambling kind of theory mm-hmm. uh you can appreciate that they've mentioned that stuff mm-hmm. uh in relation to his dad and not so i like that so if Again, a lot of people say, well, he's got his, his, his handprints all over this thing. Well, I don't think he's leaving much out. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, I'm sure he is, but I think it's shown him as this vindictive competitor at times. Mm-hmm. And that showcase last night, I think he's having fun at times in this thing with the laughter of the, obviously, the Gary Payton laugh now that's become a meme and going around everywhere. So it has the emotional laughter. Yeah. It obviously has the sadness emotion of losing his dad. And I will say this. I don't remember this. There's so much of this that I don't remember blow by blow because I was either a kid or then I was off to college. All this like in the now we're entering the mid 90s part of this, the 95 part of this. I was like. Late high school, going to college, and paying attention blow by blow of, of sure. Michael Jordan and what was going on. But I didn't realize, like I, for some reason in my head, I didn't know he was that close to his dad. Mm. I never realized he was that close to his dad. I thought there was a little bit of uh, separation there, uh, more so. And I, I, I don't know if I'm obviously I must have made that up or, or just thought that along the way. And then uh, the emotion of 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 uh, of you know. What just they teased at the end of the first one, right? That the uh, when him running on the court and and obviously says we need a break, you know. So I thought it had it all, you know. Yeah. That that's well, that's why this one was the best. I mean, you nailed it for me. This one was the best because it was it was Michael Jordan, um, being vulnerable uh, from laughing to crying to the emotion of losing his dad to. But you still found that competitor and that ass that could be Michael Jordan on the court in practice, all that stuff. This is why when these things are done, you need a little bit of that. Like, you could not do this on Tiger Woods right now because Tiger would not cry. Mm. He wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Ten years from now, he might. Mm -hmm. But he wouldn't right now. And there are things in his life that you probably would get emotional about. And it would come off more as robotic Tiger, even though Tiger's changed. This isn't the time for something like this on Tiger because he wouldn't be vulnerable enough to showcase all those emotions that right now Michael Jordan is showcasing. That's what I appreciated most about yesterday. That To me, those two episodes kind of have made the whole series, even though those series have been great. Yeah. But those two last night, because of the emotion of it and the vulnerability of Jordan to showcase that, um, it, it, it kind of made the whole thing for me. And. I thought it was refreshing as well because the first couple episodes, what have we seen? We've seen Michael Jordan hitting shot after shot. We've seen Michael Jordan. It's been like a highlight reel the past couple episodes. And, yeah, obviously I'm here for it, man. I I love reliving those memories. But then you saw last night that he didn't always win. Yeah, that's good, too. Then you saw last night that when he came back from baseball, 
he wasn't in shape. And you saw an Orlando Magic team who was absolutely stacked to the gills. I mean, dude, the, the, probably the Penny, people forget how good Penny Hardway was. Like, to me, the Penny Hardway campaigns for his sneakers are probably my second favorite campaign behind Jordan's. But, but needless to but say. Penny Hardway, by the way, was pumped up like LeBron James was pumped up. Yeah. And Penny Hardway didn't live up to the way LeBron James is. No, for up. sure, for sure. But to be fair, though, that, that team was great and they beat Michael Jordan. And, 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 you know, we talked about Michael Jordan, you know, shining a little bit of a tear. Well, you saw Michael Jordan not win. Okay, which is unfathomable. Okay, like, yeah, sure, the guy's going to come back from baseball, not going to be in shape, but I think everyone thought that, you know what? Who cares? It's Michael Jordan. Like, he's going to find a way to win. And guess what? He didn't, and he lost. And um, he finally missed a shot in the documentary. Yeah, and I think it was Horace (laughs) Grant. It might have been Horace Grant. I forgot who said it, but he's like, that right there losing was what made Michael Jordan the best because then when he came back from losing, he was so pissed off that he found ways, whether it's on the Space Jam set, to make sure guys are you know getting their work in just so he can come back and be the best like, like he was. So I thought it was great to because that's what makes, makes a good movie, right? Like you're on Absolutely. top, then you're on the bottom, then you have to rise back up again. You know, it's like Rocky. And I thought that they did a great job of showing, you know, I guess just the mental gymnastics that Jordan went through when he wasn't the best when he wasn't winning all the time. What do you think about the baseball part of Jordan? Obviously, the strike uh, helped pave the way for him to, to kind of get back into the game, Yeah. Um, in part, uh, maybe a large part. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of wonder if he could have kept chasing that because a guy like Jordan, you know, you don't you you want to succeed. And so if the strike never happens, does Jordan keep playing baseball is, is a legit question. Mm-hmm. But... He obviously got off to the hot start, which I didn't remember, the 13-game hitting streak, and yeah. then it settled down. He hits like 202, and then Francona is interesting in it because he says, hey, if this guy had 1,500 at-bats and, and he ended up with uh, 500 plate appearances, he said he could have made it to the to the big leagues. Maybe. Uh, it, didn't, didn't Jordan look – did he still look awkward playing baseball? He's six foot six. A little bit. He, like, like Aaron Judge is like six six yeah. six seven something like that. Yeah. But he doesn't look awkward because he looks like – he looks like a uh, an action hero. For sure. You know? Yeah. Jordan didn't look that way. It, I, it, he looked good in the uniform, all that stuff, but mm-hmm. I, he just looked weird, which might have been showing you the God-given ability that he did have to play any sport mm-hmm. because he was still able to, to hit a baseball and, and have 13-game well, hitting streak. The last time he played baseball was, what, he was seven? Oh, yeah, he was super So, young. I mean, yeah. like, listen... I could get in a batting cage right now and not embarrass myself, all right? And the last time I played, I was probably a freshman in high school. So, I mean, yeah, it, it didn't look natural for Michael Jordan, you know, when he was at bat for sure. Even, like, when he was fielding balls, it seemed like he, he was just a little weird. But, listen, you have to think with a guy with that mindset, though, and, and a guy with that um, just drive to be the best no matter what he does. If they didn't go on strike, if he got more reps, one would think, you know, what if? But I thought it was very telling, too, right? Because when those players went on strike, they had to have replacements. And Michael Jordan would have been an easy replacement. And Michael Jordan could have got his shine. Um, He could have played in a Major League Baseball, you know, stadium. And, you know, being – it's funny because he's the ultimate competitor. And he he wants to achieve his goals, but he still understands that there is the brotherhood. There is a way of going about things. And the fact that Michael Jordan walked out of, you know, spring training and said, I'm not going to be one of the replacement guys, that that doesn't seem right to me. I thought it was very telling of his character because the the goal was always to make the major leagues. The goal was always to make his dad happy and play baseball. That, That was the goal. And when the goal presented itself, Michael Jordan didn't like how he got there. And he said, screw this, I'm not going to play. So 
I thought it was just a, a classic example of sometimes it's not the it's not the final destination, it's the journey to get there. And the fact that he didn't have to go through the journey of, you know, putting in the work during spring training, you know, and getting a fair shot, I thought it was very telling of his character and persona. What's interesting to me, see, I have no problem with guys trying to do this as well, like the Tebow thing right now. A lot of people are like, oh, why? you know, you know what? So what? Try it. See if it works. That's fine. I, I think it, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually feel what's interesting to me is a lot of people will bring up Tebow in this kind of comparison right now. What they're doing, the strikeouts are enormous. The batting average isn't great. The struggles are real. Now, Tebow's been doing it longer um, over these last couple, three years. And I think, though, if you put Jordan in this era of base, minor league baseball and baseball, he would have a hard time to even be considered a chance for the big leagues. Because he de- he wasn't a power hitter, mm-hmm. he didn't hit a home run back in like the early '90s, mid '90s. You it was okay. I mean, if you could kind of string some hits together, hit a double here or there. Well, the reason Tebow's been given a chance is because he's got raw power, and power matters. Like you can hit 202 now yeah. <laughs> if you hit 40 home runs in baseball. Yep. And so it's almost like Tebow actually, I think, has a better chance given what his strength is, which is strength. If he can do it now, I mean, you got to be able to do it. But just the, in terms of this day and age, like it's OK to not be able to hit a curveball and hit 230 to 20. You can still make it if you're hitting bombs. Sure. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, this day and age, uh, which is interesting. Do you, Here's a question I'm asking right now. Do you find yourself liking Michael Jordan more or less during the documentary? Do, do I like him more or less? Yeah. Uh, more. Um. It's crazy though too because like I said like as a kid coming up I only I only got to see the second run I only got to see the, the last three championships that he won in Chicago so the preconceived notion was this guy's untouchable this guy is my hero and then you start hearing about the gambling stuff and you kind of hear about well the guy smokes a million cigars I have to figure that out too and if I was a kid thank God I didn't see that as a kid I would have been going to the ga- gas station getting candy cigarettes every single day and pretending I was Michael Jordan okay like. The guy smokes way too much, but hey, to each their own, man. It obviously didn't affect you at all, so props to you. But this documentary has made him human in my eyes. This documentary has shown that he has made mistakes. This documentary has shown that he was not always perfect, and he has suffered adversity. And it shows him coming through that adversity. Because when you're a kid growing up, like you don't see the adversity part. You just assume that he's always the, the dude. He's always going to be the man. So I have a uh, I have a lot more respect for Jordan after watching this documentary so far than before. Well, the reason I ask that, too, is because you do see some of the warts, right? You see some of the personality stuff. You, you remember all the great shots. You remember the sneakers. You remember everything good about a guy like Jordan cause, because he's always been classified as the best player to ever play. Yeah. So it's like everything else, no. But now you see, like, I'm not sure you'd want him as a teammate <laughs> sometimes. I mean, do you want to win? Well, that's the thing. But yeah. you have to ask yourself that question is my point. Well, and I'm right? s- I mean, Will Purdue is the best on it. Yeah. It, you know, it was inter- if you go back to the Will Purdue part where he basically says, yeah, a guy was an ass. I mean, he was a jerk. I mean, it was. But all these years <laughs> later, you realize why. And what was interesting about that, again, and, and uh, be careful where you go with this in your own little mind, but as I'm watching that, I'm thinking of Will Purdue would be like a Jags player describing Jalen Ramsey and the early part of that. It's like, yeah, he's a jerk. He's an he's a pain, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if you'd ever get on the Jalen Ramsey part because he was trying to make everybody else better. 
You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe that is his motivation or not. We don't yeah. know that about. But that that then that part like that was the before. And then the after part of that for Will Purdue was, yeah, but in hindsight, all he was trying to do is win and make us better and get the most out of us. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that that part quantifies all the other stuff. I mean, that's like a coach, right? I mean, some coaches will p- be players coaches. Other coaches will be, hey, I want you mad at me. Yeah. Right. I want. I want you guys to all gang up on me. Yeah. I want you well, guys to all come together and say it's us against him. Mm-hmm. Some coaches welcome that. Mm-hmm. So some, that's part of their meth- method mm-hmm. uh, sometimes to coach. I thought Jordan put it you know, nicely when he said, like, if you have a problem with how I did things, you never won anything in your entire life. You know, and then like, and that says it right there. I mean, I've heard on numerous accounts from numerous players I've had conversations with that always tell me that Peyton Manning was not the best teammate in practice. I agree. Right? I've heard the same thing. Because if you drop the ball, well, then you're out of practice. Like, he, he can't trust you anymore. If you drop a ball during a game, you, you get benched. Like, he'll, he'll pull you out and say, no, I'm going somebody else. If you run a, if you run a wrong, wrong route, you're out. Okay, so like there was always kind of that fear of Peyton Manning where it's like, man, if I'm a receiver, I make one mistake, like my ass is on the line here. But guess what? They all respected Peyton Manning because do you know why? That guy studied more than anybody. That guy worked harder than anybody. And you better believe that when you go on the field on Sunday and you're, you know, you look at the point across from you, you know, damn well that quarterback for Peyton Manning nine times out of ten will be better than the quarterback that he's going against. And that gives you a great chance of winning. So winning's always is always the main thing. You know, whether you want to say these coaches are too hard on me, uh, I'm not having fun, whether this teammate's not a good teammate, whatever it is, man, if you're winning ball games, that's all that matters. Like that that's the goal. Like I get it. You compliment or you complicate things all the time on football, and and it's the locker room and it's the culture and all this stuff, dude. If you win ball games, you're fine. Yeah. Well, it hides everything. Yeah. Uh, it, and I think about um, the guy that I loved growing up watching is Marino. Mm-hmm. Marino, this day and age, would have a lot of trouble. I think in terms of perception. Because he would land based guys mm. that didn't run the right route, drop balls on the sidelines. I mean, go back and watch some video of Marino, and he, he left it right there for all the cameras to see. Mm-hmm. At least this kind of stuff usually was done in practice behind closed doors. That A lot of people will do that now. I, I think you're a little less hesitant to just crush a teammate on yeah. national TV with all the cameras on. I'm not saying it doesn't get done, but, I mean, Marino would do it all the time, man. Yeah. Be like three times a game. Well, Even I mean, to Mark Duper and Mark see, Clayton. <laughs> you see coaches do it all the time still. In yeah, training camp, you know? they do. Yeah. Um, and it just feels a little different, right, sure. when coaches do it for the most part. Uh, last part about it for me from the Jordan perspective, of all the things that he said, I like that he admitted winning comes with a price. Leadership comes with a price. It really, to me, that echoes what I've said for a long, long time. And that is if you want to be great, you have to be selfish and reach that kind of level of selfish, mm-hmm. you know, and and make sure winning is at the forefront of everything. Yep. Being great and winning, which, by the way, usually goes in hand in hand, is at the forefront of everything. And for Michael Jordan, it was. I've said that before. Tiger Woods, it was, and then it felt like it went away. Mm-hmm. You know, and when it was, he was the greatest player that ever lived for a long time. And, and it, by the way, it's okay if you don't do that. But if you want to be great, you want to win all the time, you have to be what we've seen from Michael Jordan. We've ha- You have to be what we've seen at times, I think, from Tiger Woods. 
Uh, and I'm sure because we haven't seen the curtain unveiled, I bet Tom Brady has been like this at times. I think Nick Saban comes off like that at times. Bill Belichick at times, you know? Yeah. It's just a common thread. Now, how you do it, your persona, there are different ways to do it. But the greats prioritize winning so much that it does come at a price. It does come at a cost, and you have to be willing to deal with that. It, it reminded me of because, listen, as the documentary progresses on, and yes, his teammates say the guy's a win and everything, but none of these guys are hanging out with Michael Jordan anymore, it seems like. Right? Like, no, like I mean, very good point. Steve Kerr's doing his thing, obviously, he's coaching basketball, but like, I don't hear any of these players say, yeah, I saw Michael last week, or yeah, when I saw Michael, like, I don't think that really happens, okay? And when that, like, when I kind of got that vibe from it those past couple episodes, it reminded me um, of an interview with 50 Cent and Sway, 50 Cent of all people, and, and Sway in the morning. And um, Sway asked him, keep in mind, Brent, there was a time 50 Cent was the best rapper, um, you know, uh, pretty much, like, ever. <laughs> like, people, it was, it was crazy. When Get Rich or Die Trying came out my freshman year of high school, like, he was the biggest thing. Like, you, you couldn't go anywhere without talking about 50 Cent. And Sway asked him, he's like, what is it like to be the guy? What is it like to be the king of hip-hop right now? What is it like to have everyone just, whether whether you're in the inner city, whether you're in the country, like everyone is playing your album. What is that like? You're the man right now. And 50 Cent said, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's lonely. It's it's, it's lonely at the top. Uh, I'm by myself, and, and I'm alone. And like I remember hearing that interview, and then I kind of correlated a little bit to this Michael Jordan stuff, and it's the exact same thing, man. Like The, the, the guy... Busted his ass for so long to win all these championships and and to be you know arguably the best guy of all time, but now what does he have to show for it? Okay, like he's got a documentary and everything, but like how are those relationships? Like, do, does he hang out with those players? Probably not. He's not hanging out with those teammates anymore. Where if he had a guy who was like an average player, but he was a social butterfly, maybe he does keep in touch with some of his teammates and everything. So it, it truly is lonely at the top, man. And, and I, it was, that was a great comparison from uh, when I watched the 50 Cent interview. Well, I always struggle with this a little bit because, like, Tiger's a great example of it to me in the most mm-hmm. modern way. It's like, yes, he's extremely selfish, and you've got to be selfish to be great. But it's almost like he's serving us. Because we want to see more of it. Yeah. Be great so we can see more of it. Mm-hmm. You're doing us a favor. Yeah. We're thirsting for it. Yeah. You know? It's different. Uh, ask yourself this. If you had the talent of that, would you be willing to really not have relationships anymore? To win, 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 win. And what you'd say is, you tell me I could be Michael Jordan worth $2.1 billion, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, ask yourself that a few times. So that you wouldn't have your buddy that you're man. going to a bar that you're yeah. with. You know, you nope. wouldn't have this. You wouldn't have that. You might not have the wife and family because that fell apart. Mm-hmm. There's a lot at stake. It's a it's a hefty price sometimes to be able to live that life, although it looks glorious uh, on the outside. All I'm going to say is I better see a Luke Longley episode in the next couple <laughs> of them, okay? Because I want to hear this story where Michael Jordan called Luke Longley, told him to get out of the hospital because Luke Longley dislocated his shoulder. He said, get your ass back to camp because I need someone to set a pick and roll for me. I want to see you that story. Luke Longley, let's go. Uh, we'll see if we get some Luke Longley. We come back. Fauci in football. What did he say most recently about it coming back in the fall? It's next on ESPN 690. Once the NBA enforces the force majeure, uh, which would they would do when they, if they canceled a game, which I'm sure they're going to have to do probably at some point, 
they can void the CBA. They can take the CBA and and just say, hey, this none of this matters. We got to start over. That's a that's a sent even within the contract. It's sort of a passing reference sentence, but it's a daunting reality. And um, I know that it's hard to talk about labor issues and your split and everything like that right now. But man, it's Adam bringing that out at this point in this call. I think was a real wake up for it was for me when I heard about it. That's Brian Windhorst, who does not only just report on LeBron James anymore, but the entire NBA. I'm always fascinated by that. You know, because we're watching, like, uh, Ahmad Rashad's career in so many... I, I actually thought Ahmad Rashad was pretty good. Mm-hmm. But his career in so many ways was made because of Jordan, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody knew, like, he had this close tie to Jordan. Think about... Uh, who was it? Oh, gosh, what's his name on ESPN? Cover the Barry Bond stuff. Oof. Uh, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, gosh, yeah. it's right off the tip of my tongue. I'll get it in a second. Um, but then Windhorse is a big LeBron guy. Yeah. Like he got hired by ESPN, I believe, right? Because you know this? I mean, basically because he was he like had the LeBron. Close ties to LeBron, right? And he had covered LeBron and knew LeBron. And yeah. It's all was, about who you know, man. I, I think that's interesting. And, and I always think it's interesting because I, in a sense, you appreciate that in our business because of the NFL. Listen, uh, at, at someday down the road, when I get out of this business or somebody kicks me out of this business, which probably will happen first. Yeah, yeah. But I'll write a thank you letter to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the NFL so, you know, keeps us going, not just in this time. I'm just talking about, I mean, it's become such a big business. And for places like our TV station here in Jacksonville and making this such a, a, a relevant market in sports, I mean, big reason why, because the NFL. So it's not the only reason why, but it's a big reason why. Yeah. So I, I'm always interested in that stuff. And Windhorst, I, you know, I don't know if Ahmad Rashad's ever kind of done something on that, kind of talked about. Yeah, if it wasn't for Michael Jordan, I would have been this. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you think about guys like that, that you just know from teams, right? And I, and this is a little different story. I don't know if their their careers were made because of these teams or or individuals, but. Like Sal Pal covers the Eagles, mm-hmm. right? I mean, covers the NFL. But you think about the Eagles every time you think about Sal Pal. Ed Werder with the Cowboys, I think, was a lot like that. And now what ESPN has done, by the way, in recent years is basically put people on a beat. And so now they cover those teams. Sure. But I'm talking even before that, Sal Pal and the Eagles were synonymous. Uh, and, and I think Ed Werder and kind of the Cowboys were, too. So it's it's interesting to me how... Guys get uh, kind of linked to an individual or a team in, well, in our business. I mean, I know like Skip Bayless got a show with the Cowboys, right? Or like at least in Dallas. Did he? He was with um, what was the the called the Point Express? Um, SMU when they had like their death penalty, right? Oh yeah, is yeah. that how it all started? Yeah, really? yeah. He was with them. I didn't know that. And then I think he went to the Dallas Cowboys, and then obviously he's doing what he does now. Pedro Gomez. Okay. I was going to. Uh, what have what have got in a million years? So no, I'm glad Pe- you but it up. Pedro Gomez, and again, I don't know if he was close to Bonds. He just, to me, he he covered that thing. They put him on the Bonds beat. Yeah. Essentially, partly when he was chasing the home run record, mm-hmm. also the steroid stuff, and I mean, he was prominent right there all the time. It's sure. interesting that, that certain people are connected uh, in our industry to that. Question, because you've obviously been in the business for a while, Brent, uh, and you know, obviously more like on the TV side and then the radio side. But I mean, I'm sure you got some journalism chops as well. But if you could cover one so, thing, any kind of media, whatever it is, but if you could go back in time and cover one thing and be the beat reporter for that, 
What are we talking about? Hmm. Good call. I, I this might be a little different context of what you're giving me here, and I've never really thought about it in that sense of the context. So what you're I'm basically saying, saying, hey, the three Peter Jordan, would you go of course, cover it, like right? Any player or any like you know s- significant moment in sports history, what would you wish that you were the beat reporter for? You could cover it. I would say I, I always go back to I wish I was a sports fan. I wish I could have lived during this era and cover this era, and that would have been like in the 40s and 50s covering Major League Baseball. Sure, because I love baseball. And it was king. I mean, baseball was king. Like, the way the NFL is king, baseball was king. But also, Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle. I mean, all those guys coming through, whatever kind of – I don't care where you want to bookmark the era of that. But I always say if I could live there – if you could give me one time to live outside of when I am, Mm -hmm. I would go back to that era to watch baseball be played. And – and to fully appreciate how big it was mm-hmm. at that time. And it, because in my lifetime, it never has been that big. Uh, and I think the only appreciation I do have for it in that sense is probably football. Now that we cover the NFL, we know how big it is. Mm-hmm. It, it was that big. And so I, and, and by just the brilliance of that time, like, uh, shut off the color and go to the black and whites and, let me watch Ted Williams swing the bat and and all all of the greats of that era. I I think that's the greatest baseball era of all time. I think there are some really good baseball players since. Yeah. I think that's the greatest era of all time for that sport. Uh, so yeah, sign me up for that. I like it, man. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, this is a, an unusual time. Speaking of, <laughs> people will ask about this time in history for a long time to come. Mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci, who has been prominent. Also, uh, what I find interesting is as much as this has been a pandemic, which it is uh, globally, so it, it then falls into a political conversation in so many respects. And that's not just this time, but it's amplified during this time because of the way our politics is and so polarizing. But I've been interested. You mentioned President Trump said something, a message, you know, about the UFC yeah. Saturday night. Didn't mention Jacksonville, though. Come on, man. He is, he's had uh, meetings with commissioners on how to get sports back up. Fauci has been prominent in terms of talking sports, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he has entertained interviews about sports. Well, the most recent one or one of the most recent ones has to do with the NFL. And it's pretty interesting to see. And it's kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We feel like things are good. Barber shops are opening up here in Florida. Things are kind of reopening. And then here comes Dr. Fauci to say, wait a minute. Yeah. Pump the brakes. might not be the greatest thing to be playing yeah. during a coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. All of a sudden, he pulls out an audible Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Check <laughs> this out real quick. I'm a doctor. Listen to me. I know, man. He brought up two really interesting points to me. He brought up a lot of points. Yeah. And again, I we're talking about this from a very non-political view, just what an expert in the business said about football. And I thought there were two fascinating points uh, when it comes to this. And and one we've heard before, when and how bad will the next wave of this be in the fall is what they anticipate. The medical field, the medical world thinks there'll be another wave of the coronavirus Mm -hmm. and how bad will it be? Will it be worse than this one? Well, then we could be hitting the pause button all over again. That's something nobody wants to envision right now as we're trying to get back a little bit toward normalcy. But that's reality, even whether we want to hear it or not. I don't know if we're all computing that mm-hmm. because it's like, ah, whatever, that's in October. And I'm guilty of that. 
big time guilty of that. I'm like, we're in May. We'll figure it out by then. We've spent the billions of dollars in research. The scientists are great. They're smart. They'll yeah. figure it out, right? That's kind of the way I live. Oh, yes. I forget it, man. It's our jobs. Yeah. We go to school for science. We don't know what's going on. We're going to leave in you guys' hands. Yeah, Take absolutely. Care of it. Go get it done. Yeah. Take care uh, of it. We're, so, we're doing our part. We're essential. Talking sports every single day. You guys figure it out. But he really reiterated that uh, part of it mm-hmm. once again. And, 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 there's a strong prediction that it's going to come back and maybe even worse than it did um, already. So we'll see. Um, it hasn't been right about everything. That is a fair yeah. point. Yeah, but well, and I guess he's I mean, he has to do his part, right? Like he, he has to, I guess, bring up worst case scenarios because, I mean, that's his yeah, job. Yeah, man. it's if, like if, a hurricane forecast. Yeah, you're, you're a mean, doctor, man. So, yeah, I mean, it, was it a little unsettling? Absolutely. Could I imagine October? We're back to, you know, the, the quarantine life and I'm being able to go outside and sports are canceled. That'd be a bummer. I hope ESPN's got a lot of stuff on the docket coming forward because, I mean, I'm only going to watch the last dance once. So you better bring something else to the table. Uh, but with that being said, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. All right. So then there's this other part. And, and by the way, in this interview, I think it was with NBC Sports, Fauci said like things like the sweat is not a threat to spread the virus, but the danger of players shedding the virus would still be high during a game mm-hmm. because the way the disease spreads, you know, if you have it and you cough and now it's on your hand and your hand, you touch your thigh and your thigh. And now you, you touch another player within a certain amount of time. Bam. You know, and and that can happen on a football. That can happen anywhere, grocery store, wherever happen on a football field. So but this is the part that was really interesting, which I had not thought about yet. And shame on me, maybe. And maybe all of you had. If a player tests positive, much like we saw with the USC fight, yeah. fight was off. But let's just use an example, and, and uh, don't get mad at me for using this example, but Gardner Minshew tests positive in week two because they're doing testing. Well, now he's going to be quarantined for 14 days mm-hmm. and can't play the next two weeks. Yeah. I didn't think about that, really. I'm thinking fans. I'm thinking, are you allowed to be able to play the gatherings? Fantasy football, Brent. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the roster transactions going on between me and you if people start setting out because of COVID nineteen? I'm thinking. Oh, I'm thinking. Can we get the seven wins? Can you get more wins than the Patriots? And now you're telling me there's a chance that I got to quarantine the quarterback. <laughs> so I'm kind of making a little bit light of it, but I'm not really like That's that. Crazy. That is an interesting part of this, right? Well, I mean, you're talking about 53 man rosters to begin with, but you're talking about some positions like quarterback. That, I mean, obviously teams lose those kind of players due to injury sometimes, and that's part of the game. But this kind of ramps up the possibility of losing players. I mean, think about Denver, right? Von Miller got had coronavirus. Correct. I mean, if that was during the season, he would have had to been out for at least two weeks and maybe more yeah. given his health status. Well, but two that, weeks. The, the guy from um, the Rams as well, who's the backup center, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but yeah. Jay Glazer, I guess you should have pumped his name up a little more for me to remember it. <laughs> but, it is what it is. But, okay, so the backup center of the Rams goes, and you're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, but Von, Von Miller, Miller goes, you're like, Whoa. Or a quarterback, or a starting quarterback. quarterback would be insane. Absolutely. Or so, hey, a coach. Yeah, and Sean I, Payton. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Good point. I mean, we've seen it on all different levels. So I, I didn't think about that as much. Am I alone in that? Like, that was were, were you guys thinking of that? Were people see, thinking of, oh yeah, if a player goes down, you're talking a couple weeks down. Football, it's two games potentially. Yeah. You know, in NBA, Major League Baseball, all those. I mean, you're talking about could be up to in baseball, shoot, ten, twelve games. Yeah. A, a guy could miss. See, I guess I was from the like naive fact where if a player came down with it, then that's it. Like. If Minshew came down with it, well, he's a football player, man. He shares a locker room of 40-something guys, right? So, like, 
I guarantee if one player came, comes down with it, more than likely another member of that team, uh, you know, a member of the training staff, a coach, will probably have it as well. So I guess I always envisioned it where if one player got it, you know, it's it's almost like the snowball effect where you got to shut down the whole league just because one player's got it. But yeah. I guess I, I, I guess think I had a hard time because the NBA did it. Well, of course, but that yeah. was at the outset and, of it. And you know, the, yeah. So I guess I had a hard time like seeing football carrying on if a player had it. Like, yeah, I get with Jacare Souza, like his whole camp tested positive, okay? So, like, it was Jacare, and then I think two of his coaches had COVID-19 as well. They tested positive. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that yeah. part. Yeah, there's a couple more guys. But, like, that was his camp. So, like, he spent his entire time working with that camp. He wasn't, you know, talking to other fighters and shaking hands and everything. Like, that was just his camp. But if a football player gets it, well, dude, you, you share the locker room with how many people? You know, like, you interact with how many people every single day? Like, to me, it's hard to take all the necessary precautions like the UFC did when it's, like, a team sport like football or the NBA or Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, so really what I'm saying here, and again, shame on me maybe, and maybe all of you have thought of this, but I, I had not as much this part of it. That is, if a player goes down, but what you just said, talking about a locker room full of guys, yeah. full of players, you might have 25 or 30 of them that eventually, what do you do? Forfeit well, the games? Make up the games later? Play I mean, the games? How does that work? I mean, you have to you have to definitely forfeit them. You know? like, you're not just going to bring in replacement guys just for a couple games. You can't do that. So th- that's, I'm just saying, like, man, the way locker rooms work and... I mean, I guess you can try to take as many precautions as possible, man, but it's football, all right? It's a it's a physical sport. There's contact. And I, I just – I have a – and I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer right now. I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade, but I have a hard time visualizing where if one player comes down with something, how the rest of the locker room wouldn't get it either. Yeah, but, I mean, you I know, know, you can. I mean, it, well, it can you, be done. You but... can be asymptomatic and all that stuff. I, I get it, but to me it's just – it's hard to to – Make the necessary precautions to quarantine everybody in that locker room. You know, like you have forty something guys, ninety guys in training camp sharing a locker room. But of course, if there's that stuff still prevalent, someone can come down with it. There's a lot of information now with the science of this, with the antibody stuff, and and people are talking about, which I don't even know if I completely understand all of it. But mm-hmm. they, the science is, you can make the case. The science argues, okay, well, folks who get it and get it severely and really are in danger, obviously, in this age group. Right. I mean, that's clear as day. Uh, exactly what that is, we don't know. But if the reaction to getting, whether you're super sick or not, but the reaction to just testing positive in the UFC is to cancel that fight, yeah. in football in the fall would be to quarantine a player and players for 14 days. In that situation, it's not necessarily, okay, we're really worried about this person's health and, oh, my gosh, they might not make It's more... Can you feel the team? Exactly. You know, and, and can so you make it work? If, if that's the reaction, if that's what you have to do, if if you test positive, you have to go to quarantine. You can't be around others. You can't be around the team, which I think would be the case. Well, I mean, it's really interesting how that could spin out and spin out of control mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. So I thought that was one of the most fascinating parts that I just hadn't registered yet. And uh, it'll be you can do all the testing. And I think, you know, Fauci mentions you got to be able to do the testing and, and they'll be able to do that much like UFC did. Yeah, I think it will come at a cost. I mean, it's again, things will be expensive mm-hmm. to do. UFC, Dana White mentioned that they, they sure. spent a lot of money to be able to make sure that happens. Well, and we're that, not talking about 53 guys. either. Yeah, listen, I mean, I, I've just seen I've never taken a test before, but they look like they they suck, man. Oh, that's awful. Oh, Marcel took it. Yeah. Uh, they, oh, how do you say it went? That was awful. He said, yeah. 
And can you imagine my schnoz getting that? Like, dude, because like, you can't even get up there because it's like so just curved and broken. Well, like, listen, oh, they're, they're going to be taking a chisel and trying to chisel it up there in my brain. Nah, man. You got Gagey and others saying how miserable that experience was. Yeah. They get hit in the <laughs> face for a living. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, that's how miserable the experience was. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, here's one other thought on that, by the way. Yeah. We were talking about this a little bit last night. We've now talked about it a couple uh, times in TV. I don't think we're going to cover this football team and any football team in a locker room this year. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would find that. Now, how long that is, does that become a new wave? I'm not ready to admit that. I don't know. Uh, because I think there are some problems with not covering in the locker room. I would also be okay. I'd be in the minority of that. I think a lot of people in our business are like, what do you mean we can't go in the locker room? Yeah. I'm actually surprised to, to, to be at times that we are allowed in the locker room. Sure. Um, but there are also some other things that make it way more difficult for PR staffs, even the football players themselves, mm-hmm. if you do it a different way. Yeah. But this will... Kind of like the rest of our world. Can you work from home? Can you do it this way? Well, this might be an example of, well, you might not go in locker rooms and cover teams anymore uh, in that respect. But I don't know if we're going in locker rooms here in 2020, Mm -hmm. uh, which that doesn't impact the the folks at home and the folks listening and, and the fans. But I do think sometimes it takes away that raw nature of of genuine reaction after a game. There is something to that, win or lose. Uh, How much is that going to hurt the fan? How much does the fan care? Probably not much, but it's just something that crossed our mind. It just begs the question, what would it it look like, right? And one can make an argument depending on when the interviews take place, whether it's after a game or after a practice. I mean, if you get those guys coming right off the field, that's when the motions are the highest. Well, that's the best. You know, so this, There's a 10-minute so cooling off period yeah. now. So whether it's, uh, you know, after a victory or after a defeat, I mean, you know, th- there's a laundry list of emotions that you can try to capture. So if anything, I think um, not having a locker room access and trying to catch the guys after practice or after a game might be better. All right. Uh, before we hit the top of the hour, Major League Baseball. They have the owners have agreed on a proposal to give to the players. Now it's up to the players to say, "Hey, let's get back to playing ball." Big part of that though is dollars, man. Uh, how ugly could this get for Major League Baseball? And the look, the players are the ones that won't look good in this because the players are going to say, "Hey, we want our salaries. We want to be prorated for this. You guys have made millions of dollars, but we're do this money, mm-hmm. and we're not just going to go play for hardly nothing." Um, could be a big issue for Major League Baseball. I'm just saying, man, and listen, you know how I feel about professional athletes, man. Usually I take their side and say, go get that money. But you got a lot of people out there right now that are working jobs that are getting furloughed, okay? A lot of people taking pay cuts right now. And for the Major League Baseball to come out and say, yeah, go ahead and give me that big lump sum, I'm going to be honest, man, it's kind of hard to come along with you guys on that one. We'll give you the latest on that front, uh, just a couple minutes on on some of the details of what Major League Baseball is going through right now, trying to get back to play potentially in empty stadiums by the 4th of July week, uh, which is really something we mentioned uh, ever since the beginning of this, that that would make some sense. The Major League Baseball trying to make it happen. Uh, Will the players roadblock that? Could it become super problematic and a bad look for MLB? We hit that and we get back to some football talk. The X Factor of the Jacksonville Jaguars this year, nobody's talking about. I'm bringing it up next on ESPN 690. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.